It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosher of Bleacher Report. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. And I'm joined by a multiple-time Emmy oh, Award winner. How does that on. sound? Like? Yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, I would just had to throw that in there. Yeah. Landon McCool, you can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. I think it's uh, Thankful McCool right now. Is that correct? Is that the, is that your Twitter no, name right now? No, it's at McCoolBTB. Yeah, my, 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 my username or whatever. Your Twitter name is that, Thankful Yeah, McCool, your yes. Twitter name is Thankful I can't wait for uh, Scrooge or Grinch McCool. That's going to be my favorite it, That's going to be a good one. All right. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. You know, it's funny. Every time you do the intro, like it feels like you're about to bust into laughter and, and you're in, in, unable to finish. So I always, I always, uh, it's always funny to see if you great. can make it through the, that little opening bit uh, unscathed. And you always do to your credit. So all right, all right. this Tuesday edition of the lockdown Cowboys podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Just use the promo code locked on at MyBookie.ag. So we got a lot to talk about today. We are going to actually stay on the football field. We're not going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott. You guys, could, I'm sure you've all on Twitter have uh, seen the, last, the news from the last couple of days. Uh, Elliott's going to have uh, a hearing on Thursday at the Second Circuit. We will do our best to fill you guys in on any news that comes out of there. But let's talk about the Cowboys game on Sunday. The Cowboys go to 5-3. and three. Uh, They pretty much thoroughly Beat down the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the top teams in the AFC, 28-17. to 17, And I didn't feel like the score was uh, all that close. Do you kind of agree? I think this was a a bigger beatdown than what the score indicated, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think save one, you know, crazy kind of, I mean, fluky-ish play at, at the end of the yeah, half. Let's go ahead and talk about yeah, that play. I mean, I, I think I, outside of that, it, it's it, they pretty much dominated them. But yeah, let's talk about that play. Yeah, so right before halftime, I believe there was nine seconds left. Uh, the Cowboys, after scoring a touchdown to uh, – Dak Prescott ran in a touchdown. They kicked the ball off. They returned it out of the end zone. Byron Jones gets a personal foul, unnecessary roughness penalty. And then the Chiefs throw one little quick pass to Charkandrick West. And then that allows them to set up this – uh, I don't know, a short Hail Mary. I don't know what you want to call it, but basically a play where they get the ball to Tyreek Hill in the middle of the field with a couple of blockers ahead of him, and he's able to score. So uh, what caused that play? Is, is it something, just a uh, philosophy or um, scheme breakdown, or is it just a lack of effort by the Cowboys guys here? Well, I don't think it was effort. I mean, I think it was more everyone. I mean, I think the, it was a combination of, it, it, good coaching, a coach that knew his personnel and putting his personnel in a in a position to succeed. I mean, because basically what you had there is you had Hill with the head of steam, who is you know uh, basically the most dangerous, most electric guy with the ball in his hands probably in the NFL period, right? I mean, like he's got to be the yep. he's got to be the fastest or, or at least one of the fastest players in the league, and 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 one of the and you can't game plan for his speed. He's, he's There's Hester. nobody on the Cowboys he's, he's roster that's that fast. You know, and, and he's Hester esque, and, and I think the sub guys could keep up with him, but I think the the problem is is that if you got the ball in his hands, that it's really tough. And I think what happens is that, and I think Brian Broaddus actually explained it beautifully, is that. 
his speed makes you freeze because you see it and you don't want to immediately attack him because you're he's so laterally quick that you're afraid that you're going to lunge, he's going to get around you, and, and you end up trying to be too passive and when you should just be aggressively getting at him and, and, and making him – you know, making him decide and then allowing the next guy to get the tackle if necessary. But, you know, I think basically Hitchens specifically, uh, you know, and then uh, I can't remember if it was Heath or who the other guy was. It might have been Jones, but uh, just basically. Heath got held on that play. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, look. I mean, Heath but, got wrapped but look, up I mean, that's going to happen. Play. Like, I mean, I, I think that you're not going to get called for. They're not going to call holding on, on one of those plays. So you need to you need to either find a way to fight through it or or the ever. other guy, other ten guys who were there need to make a play. You know, so uh, I, I just you know it was a it was a situation again where you got a, a guy who has the ability to kind of make defenders freeze like that because of his you know his talent and and a and a, a coach that was uh, wary of it and clearly you know they, they made it clear that that was a play. That that wasn't it wasn't just like oh let's dump it off and see what he gets like that it, that they wanted to make it seem like that they were going to throw it deep and then they wanted to get the ball dumped off to Hill on the move with with blockers because they 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 think that that's a better scenario as it is it's a much better you have much better chance of of that happening than than throwing a hail mary if you've got a player like Hill who can be that much of a threat that could cause people to go whoa like it was like some kind of scooby-doo cartoon and they and then the bad guy ran over some oil you know it's just like oh no it's Tyreek Hill and everyone just kind of freaks out and no one's there to pull off the mask to find out it's old man Johnson who's spooking up the old uh amusement park that was a really long analogy but I think the point is is that Tyreek Hill is scary (laughs) and I think it caused everyone to freeze up and basically not get aggressive when they needed to be aggressive and Hill took took what they gave him and really only had to go like 10 or 15 yards I was kind of disappointed you didn't use a Bob uh, Bob Burgers uh, reference right there. That was your perfect opportunity. <laughs> well, yeah, there, but, I mean, I'll, um, I'll, I'll go there next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really quickly on Ty- Tyreek Hill, for the most part, they bottled him up pretty well yeah. for the rest of the game. He had four carries for nine yards, and then other than that long reception, just one catch for eight yards. One catch for eight yards. Excuse me. So they did a pretty good job on the entire game, and that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this game is. The Chiefs had one of the best offenses coming into this game uh, for the season, and they really only gave up ten points in this game. One of the again, that was a fluke play that you'll probably never see happen again in the history of the NFL, and it just so happened that it happened this week against Cowboys. So uh, I, I thought overall their defense played really well. And we're going to get to that in a second, but coming up still in today's show, we're going to talk about Dak Prescott's fantastic start to his career, and Landon and I are going to hand out our game ball, so make sure you guys stay tuned for that in the rest of the show. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, so Landon, let's toss it to you. What was your biggest takeaway from Sunday's game against the Chiefs? Well, I mean, I think that you have to think that this is, the, this is one of the first games where the Cowboys uh, are in a spot where you feel like they are uh, kind of fully rolled out, that they're hitting on cylinders that they that they maybe weren't early on, and they're playing a team that is actually a, a very good uh, measuring stick. And I think that you know what we what we saw was that. Um, yeah, like this is a team that is ready to compete with the big boys, and I think that at this point they're kind of rolling in a way that they certainly weren't a little bit earlier in the in the in the season. Um, but as long as they have De- Ezekiel Elliott uh, and their defense continues to not only be good but getting better, um, I, I think that I think that it's uh, it's really really it's really really impressive the kind of the, not only the victory they got, how much they, how dominant they were. I mean, I think it it, it reminds me of times a lot last year when we um, when we used to not give the defense enough credit, you know, and it felt like we get surprised, and we still get surprised by this defense uh, at times. Um, but now, I mean, like, how many weeks in a row have we been waiting for this pass rush to fall off? I mean, how many? How long have we been waiting for these? Can, for these, can I jump in here yeah, real quick please, about their defense, please. really quickly? So let, let's look at their first few drives of the game uh, on defense. First drive, three plays, one yard punt. Next drive, three plays, two yards punt. The next drive, seven plays, thirty-three yards punt. Next one, nine plays, forty-four yards punt or field goal. Excuse me. The next drive, four plays, twenty-five yards punt. That's how they started the game with one, two, three, four punts and a field goal in their first five possessions of the game. That's pretty incredible. I mean, especially and, let's and again, give, give it this context. Is a good yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is that this at the time they came in as the number three offense in the NFL in yards, and I and I'm I'm not exactly sure where they were at points, but I mean they were up up there too. They were averaging I think twenty eight plus points a game and if you want to I mean you have to count you need to count the touchdown because they obviously gave it up but save a nine second sure. play that was you know again I don't want to call it fluky but I, I don't know that it was indicative of how they were how they're playing defense as a whole right like uh, I think you know save that they held one of the top offenses so far this season to under 20 points I mean under under like at ten points, ultimately, wasn't it? What's, what's, what's the final score? Seventeen. So uh, seventeen. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's pretty impressive. And and again, it, it wasn't in like it wasn't it wasn't like it was last year where it just seemed like the defense got just enough, you know, and then combined with the, the Cowboys keeping them off the field, you know. The defense is making stops now. The defense is getting themselves off the field even when the offense, you know, isn't necessarily helping them out at times. And at times early on in the game, the Cowboys, you know, weren't exactly uh, clicking completely on all cylinders. Yeah, and, four of their four of their first five drives were punts. Yeah, and Dallas and Dallas was in the game because their defense kept them in the game for the, for the entire time and didn't really blink. So, you know, I, I think that at, at this point, you know, look, everyone wants to talk about Philly, and that's fine. Like, let everyone talk about Philly and let Philly get all that attention. If if Dallas, no, I mean it's fine. If Dallas keeps stacking stacking, you know these wins together, you know they're gonna come and play Philly. And, and I, 
I know some people are afraid of Philly, but I, I'm not. Like, I, I think that we have every opportunity and every chance to beat them. And, and as good as they've looked, you know, they've struggled to on to get first and second down yardage early on, and and and, and they've had they've had some plays that just kind of worked out for them. Uh, on they've been living and dying on long third downs, and I think Dallas can make the pay, but that's for another day. But my point is, is I think. What what we what I took away from that game is that this was a great litmus test because these are two teams that don't really necessarily know each other very well. Uh, they're both considered to be pretty good, and uh, and Dallas ran through Kansas City basically. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway in this game was uh, back to the offense. The Cowboys side is. Des Bryant's impact on the offense every single week is different, and his role is completely different. And I just laugh at the people after the game saying that Des is no longer a number one receiver because if you watch that game at all, you can see that Kansas City treated him as a number one receiver, and you can see his impact all over uh, all over the field. The perfect example is on the first Cole Beasley touchdown, the first touchdown of the game. They've got Des lined up man-to-man coverage and the safety at the snap jumps over to cut to take the slant away Cole Beasley's wide open for a touchdown and then uh Romo even talked about it when Bryant went out of the game it hurt their running game because all of a sudden instead of playing zone coverage the Chiefs immediately switched to man because they knew the Cowboys didn't have receivers that can consistently beat uh man-to-man coverage and the running game suffered so I, I just I get frustrated because of the fantasy football world of people looking at Dez's numbers and saying that he's not an elite receiver anymore. But when you watch him in the games, and I actually know Sunday was not his best game in terms of uh, he had a couple drops and balls I thought he should have caught, but he is still a dominant force on the outside that has to be accounted for on each and every snap. And because of his presence on the field, it helps the Cowboys offense become one of the best in the NFL. I, I've talked about it for the last uh, few weeks, but now we are six games in a row. The Cowboys have scored at least 28 points. Uh, there's no other team in the league this year that has scored more than 28 points uh, as many times as the Cowboys have done it. The Cowboys have done it six times. Nobody else has done it more than five. So the Cowboys it, in their history haven't done it, I don't think, in over 10 years, from, if I remember yeah. correctly, since they were. it was like the 2007 team that ended up going 13-3. and three. So, so we talk about complementary football a lot, and Dez is just a piece of this offense that they absolutely need to function. And when he's on the field and when Zeke's on the field – I'm not sure there's a more balanced and better offense in the entire NFL. Look, I mean, if you want to base whether or not someone is a quote-unquote wide one wide receiver one on fantasy football stats, and I guess you're somehow also looking past touchdowns and pretending like touchdowns aren't a stat and or the most important stat maybe that a wide receiver Correct. can have, um, where he is the best wide receiver in the NFL since he's been in the league. I mean, the, the only person I think that has more touchdowns than him since he's come in the league is uh, is – is Greg Gronk. Gronkowski is Rob, yeah, is Rob Gronkowski? So yeah, um, he's got one more. Yeah, so I guess if if you're ignoring all that, then I guess yeah, I mean you don't want to like call him wide receiver one. Then why don't you go by the thing that is the true mark of what a wide receiver one is, and and look at how the defense responds to him because that's ultimately what's important is that how the, how the other team's defense plays that guy 
because you you could be a great talking big number wide receiver, but if you're just eating up single coverage because no one thinks that you're dangerous and they're willing to let you catch a bunch of pass, passes for garbage yardage because that doesn't actually threaten their chances of winning the game again, winning the game, then mm-hmm. what's what's the yeah what's the difference? So I I think to me the problem is is that people are again perceiving this idea of production is greater than you know what's required to win the game if if the defense is expending half their resources worrying about double and triple covering Des Bryant or worrying about you know sh- you know <laughs> changing which direction their defensive backs are looking <laughs> based on you know whether or not Des Bryant is on the field and that's what I mean that's what you were talking about with zone versus man coverage which that's ultimately what we're talking about right is that now you've got because of Des Bryant being Des Bryant you've you've got to figure out a way to you know play a whole different type of scheme on your back end which affects the front end of of, of how well they can play run defense then I, I think that's you know that's more important than you know what could be uh you know empty yards what could be you know contextless yardage that that doesn't necessarily mean anything towards whether or not you're winning the game Absolutely. So let's go ahead and transition to another receiver in this game that had, I want to say, maybe his best game of his career. I mean, there's maybe another one or two other games that were better, but Terrence Williams was unbelievable in this game. He had nine targets, caught all nine for 141 yards. Uh, His biggest was on a 56-yard pass down the sideline right before halftime that got the Cowboys inside the 10-yard line. I, I was just impressed by everything that Williams did in this game as a blocker, as a receiver. Uh, Tony Romo mentioned it in the broadcast that he is, his best skill set is his, is his ability to win after the catch. Now, he's not a, a dynamic runner, but when he can build up ahead of steam, he can be pretty hard to stop. So uh, I'm just going to take my hat off to Terrence Williams. I thought he was phenomenal. And these are the kinds of games that you need a Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams to step up in when teams are trying to take away Des Bryant or just Bryant's not playing well. So, uh, again, Williams, fantastic game. Any quick thoughts on Terrence Williams? Yeah, I mean, he's just such an unconventional wide receiver, and and that's why I think people struggle with him. And and and, and I, you know, I struggle with him too at times. I just, you know, his skill set is so bizarre. Uh, he he managed to come out of the Baylor offense in college where almost no other wide receiver has except for. You yeah, know, really. He's old... except for Josh Gordon, who is just such a freak of nature. There's no way that guy, if he learned how to catch, could not be. But a... Gordon didn't play there very long. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, as far as like true, like you know, Baylor wide receivers, only Terrence Williams did, and I think it's because again, he is to me like such a great fit as a, a Y wide receiver in this offense. I, 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 because just of what he does, like he is great catching the ball on the move. The, the, again, the problem is, is that like you say, he's deceivingly fast, but he's not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, like a burner, you know, you know, you got to push your safeties back every single time, but he can beat you deep. No doubt. Uh, he's, he's great with the ball, getting the ball on the move and running. He's got incredible feet. Like his feet are just nuts for a wide 
wide receiver. Like, but but he but he's also in a, a great. He's got good balance too. Yeah, I, we've seen it uh, multiple times on the sideline where he's able to drag yeah. his feet. I think oh, last toe, year the toe drag. I, I mean, he does it over yeah. and over and over and over again. He he drags his toes. He gets his feet down. He tiptoes. He he has quick feet for a guy his his size. And 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 ultimately, again, we don't see it a ton unless you're watching the all twenty two or you know. But he is he is a phenomenal blocking wide receiver. Like he's not a crusher, but he is one of the best stock blocking wide receivers in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. I mean, he just is. And and so every you know, it's like twice a year he has a game like this. Not maybe like this, but but you know, a game where all the people who spent all season long trashing Williams because he's you know, not putting up wide receiver two numbers, you know, like other wide receiver twos are, you know, completely missing the fact that this is a run first offense. And we also have Jason Witten and all, you know, we also have a guy that we, uh, and Zeke that we want to throw at Beasley, you know, miss completely missing all that, but that, that he's, that, that they think he's underachieving. And then every once in a while he has a game like this and everyone goes, Oh yeah, that's why we got this guy because he can do a little bit of everything else that no one else on the team, no other wide receiver on the team can really do. Right, like he can do a lot of those stupid things you forget that you still need your wide receiver core to do every once in a while in certain matchups against certain teams. Yeah, I'm gonna give him credit too. For my favorite play of the game was uh, late in the fourth quarter. He caught a, I think it was a comeback route, made a little play, got the first down, and instead of going out of bounds, just dove right before the sideline. Just to yeah, it, it's it's clear that he learned. I mean, yeah. and that's and that's really what you want from your players. If they make a mistake, don't make that same mistake again. And I mean, it, I'm sure Jason Garrett on the sideline was just thrilled and i'm sure he was clapping because of his great move so no, let's go yeah. ahead and we'll <laughs> we're gonna get we'll get to jason Garrett. We, we'll just save him for a second but before we do that uh, i want to talk about Dak prescott for a little bit so first of all i thought he was fantastic again in this game uh he struggled a little bit in the uh first quarter of the game but the entire offense did um i <laughs> i sent out a tweet that said Dak is struggling i think after the game it got like 50 retweets because people like to retweet things i marcus say the was, game. i don't know marcus why but they was do. struggling during the game <laughs> tweeting no that's just that's peak twitter time that's <laughs> that's that's uh, man, I wish some people could see what my Twitter Marcus. feed looks like during the game. Struggling. It was not that bad. It, it really wasn't. You go back and look at the feed. Yeah. It's There's nothing I said in there that's a lie. Struggle. All right, back to Dak Prescott. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, uh, on Monday night, I posted a chart of uh, some notable quarterbacks to their first 24 games. Um, and Prescott has been about the best quarterback in his first year and a half than we've ever seen in the NFL. He's got a quarterback rating of 102, uh, 39 passing touchdowns, eight interceptions, 10 rushing touchdowns. I I think sometimes we are so used to Prescott playing at a high level that we don't take a step back and kind of appreciate just how good he has been to start his career. Uh, No other quarterback that's active right now has a higher passer rating to the first uh, 24 games, even uh, you know Russell Wilson and Marcus Mariota, Tom Brady and Carson Wentz. None of those guys even come close to Prescott that way. So it, it's it's just kind of nice to reflect and really uh, be thankful that the Cowboys have a, a such a good quarterback in Dak Prescott. So uh, I, we're not going to touch on him too much today because 
we're going to, you know, this week we're going to look at the All-22 and really talk about some of the X and O's part of it. But really quickly, do you have any thoughts on Dak Prescott's start to his career? I mean, he's just – he he's the – him and the guys like him are the future of the of the league. You know, it's, it's, it's this – Hybrid, um, you know, run quarterback who can run the the options, the zone read, and all that, and and he fits it to a T, and uh, and it's it's just been a joy to watch him, and 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 I think you know people have talked about it. It's really his his ability as a as a red zone threat is really second to no, almost no none, and it's and it's unbelievable how how dangerous he is. And he's so smart about it because he doesn't take big hits. I mean, it's very, very well, rarely yeah. that somebody I mean, he gets a good shot at, at a rate him. that's insane for someone who's so careful with the ball. Like that's the thing that's so right. nuts. That's like, and, and and he has incredible ability. I mean, there, I mean, not to, again, not to get into him too much, but I, I was just rewatching the game and, and and one of the one of the throws that was an incompletion that was just amazing. Do you remember that throw where he kind of got flushed out? And he was rolling right, and he threw like an absolute missile at Tadez, and he couldn't quite bring it in on the sideline. It was early in the game, but I mean mm-hmm. that throw was nuts because he Des didn't come down with it, but it was so high velocity and so accurate. Like it was basically he put it only where either Des was going to come down with a great catch or is going to be incomplete. And it's throws like that that I think people view sometimes and say, "Look how inaccurate he is," but the truth is. He play, he puts the ball at times in spots where only his receivers catching the ball, or it's going to be an incompletion. And and it, and it it's so impressive uh, his ability to do that, especially on the move, rolling right and left. Yeah, I remember that play because I I remember stopping it yesterday, watching. I'm like, oh man, Ecker almost could have intercepted that ball, and then I kind of froze frame it all, a couple frames, and yeah, he didn't touch the ball at all. Nope. Des Des is the only one they got a hand on, a, it, and now Des was out of bounds. It was but, amazing I mean, that was, throw. I mean, I, I yeah, went back it, it, watching it a couple times. Phenomenal. Yeah. So, anyways, he's amazing. Well, even even the throw that he had to Bryce Butler in oh, the end zone. Oh, uh, yeah. Now he he overthrew Butler a tad, but just his ability to even try to fit that ball in there. And actually, he did. He got it through the window. He just, I mean, maybe a foot he overthrew him by. I mean, but again, just incredible. We'll make sure that we talk about him tomorrow. Last thing we're going to do on the podcast is talk about game balls. We're each going to give out one game ball. We're going to start doing this weekly, win or loss uh, for the Cowboys. So let's go ahead and start with you. Who is your? Who are you going to give your game ball to this week well, uh, against the Chiefs? Well, I mean, I, I could have easily given it to Terrence Williams because, I mean, he had, had a fantastic game and, and easily, easily, obviously could have given it to Ezekiel Elliott because clearly he, you know, despite – you know, not having eye-popping numbers, he played fantastically and 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 was obviously the difference in the game at times. Um, but I am going to give it, despite all of the heat on Twitter, uh, I am going to give it to Jason Garrett, and because I, I really think that it, of course you are what of course I am yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, um, you know, I I think that I think that when you look at what he had to do with, uh, you know, with a, I guess an Andy Reid uh, offense, which you know what he had to get his team prepared for overall, it's such a uh, different sort of unique challenge, and, and the, because you don't see Kansas City, you know, every every year or every other year, you see him like every four years, and so and and Andy Reid, even though he's a familiar foe. 
to Jason Garrett, I mean, this offense is completely different than anything J- Andy's ever run before. And, you know, none of these players that have played, except for, you know, Skandrick, you know, were even around when a- when Andy Reid was the head coach for the Eagles. Um, so uh, it's it's one of those things that it's like, it's Sean Lee, I guess, too. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, he was able to keep them focused. He they they went against a a, a really well coached team and 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 went out came out ahead, and you know being able to get his team focused throughout the week with the Ezekiel Elliott stuff, and then for the whole thing to flip around and then get Zeke ready to go well, uh, you know enough that he could get as many carries as he did and be as big a part of the offense as he was, uh, you know, and and again all of that and then. When disaster struck right before the half, was was also still able to keep his team focused coming into the second half and not let that whole thing destroy the whole game, despite some people thinking that it might. Uh, <laughs> I, I you know that's impressive, you know, and that and that's and what that is is that's that may not be something that he did in game, but that's something that he has been slowly building. Over years, and 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 that and that pays off from time to time. And when it pays off, we need to recognize that that's because of the culture and the institution that Jason Garrett has built. That Tony talked about, you know, in the game broadcast is, yeah, maybe he's not the X's and O's guy that some of the other head coaches are, but that's not necessarily so useful when you're a head coach. It's you know there are different ways to run a team. Is and, and the way they run the team is that. Garrett sets the agenda. Garrett built the team. Garrett has the vision for the way the team needs to win and, and the way the team is going to run day to day. And then they have offensive and defensive coordinators, strong offensive and defensive coordinators who design their game plans and they execute it, you know, very well. And, and Garrett understands those schemes well enough to get the right kind of guys in. And I, I know that sounds like Garrett talk, but to get the players that fit that scheme and to get them motivated to a point where they will execute over and over again despite what happens and that's what the that's that's what the Dallas Cowboys the Gates, Jason Garrett Cowboys are all about is if you want to define what that is is that no matter what the circumstances they're still coming at you at 100 at 100 miles an hour they're still they're still giving full effort they're not blinking because things went bad they're still going to go out there and execute and if they win at the end that's fantastic if they don't they, they it's, it's you know it is what it is they come back next week and do it again yeah, so with the Cowboys' offense left the field in the second quarter, they had a 14-3 lead with 13 seconds left to go in that game. When they got the ball back, it was 17-14 into the third quarter. Uh, I, I was probably one or two plays away from tweeting game over. I, I was getting close uh, once the Chiefs took that 17-14 lead. However, the Cowboys, uh, and I'll give a lot of credit to Garrett, they fought back. Here, here were those the next drives after the Chiefs took the lead. Uh, a 12-play, 75-yard uh, touchdown drive by Dallas, a 3-play, minus 6-yard drive by the Chiefs that resulted in a punt, and then a touchdown drive by Dallas, interception drive by Kansas City, punt, and the game. So, I mean, great job of the Cowboys by fighting back, and you got to give credit for Jason to Jason Garrett. Um this is one of the games where I, I was impressed with this coaching ability because Andy Reid is a fantastic coach, and uh, I, I'm always one of the guys that's criticizing him for not out coaching some of these uh, better head coaches. So 
give credit to Jason Garrett. Uh, my game ball of the week goes to Taco Charlton. Whoa! Uh, everybody's favorite whipping boy. Oh, yeah, everybody's favorite whipping boy because uh, there is a lot of pressure on him to make a play. And last week he was close. He almost made an interception. This week he beat Mitchell Swartz. So it's a pretty good right tackle. Uh, for a sack, uh, it wasn't the most impressive sack or anything in the world, but it was a sack. And I think for him, I honestly believe once he get once he got the first one, they'll start coming. I, and I think it's one of those things of you know getting rid of some of that pressure. Now he kind of has that monkey off his back. I think you'll see him play a lot more relaxed in the next couple of weeks. So uh, good job by Taco Charlton. I know people have been dogging him all season, but it's nice to see uh, him continue to play with that effort and have a good game. So any final thoughts before we leave, Landon? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's fantastic that, uh, you know, we're, you know we, we get to talk about him getting a sack, and I think he's had a, a, a great kind of, you know, ascension to a certain degree, he started to play better and better, and 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 I think that you know hopefully it, this opens up the floodgates for him. And and look, we've made our our feelings known about, or at least I know I've made my feelings known about how I felt about the taco. Pick. I'm actually more optimistic than you. I'm more, uh, yeah, isn't okay, that okay, no, I'm no, little... I mean, that's that. I, I was trying to remember, but yeah, I mean, I, I and I'm not. I'm listen. I'm not pessimistic. I just I just didn't think, and I I feel like I'm kind of been right that. He was going to be necessarily uh, a, a guy that to help us this year, this season, you know. And mm-hmm. so, I, and he's been—he's he, definitely. I mean, he's definitely helped some. He's a, been a rotational guy, and now he's gotten to sack him. Hopefully, it's, it's going to mean more. I think he's more of a long-term play. But long story short, I'm I'm so glad for the kid be, for all the reasons that you just said. Because yeah, like even though again I didn't love the pick, I feel terrible about the way people have been. You know, really piling on him. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, I think that I think, and that includes our colleagues. Sure, that, that no, and, and, and listen, listen. I, you know, he's a first round pick. It's gonna happen. Like, if you don't produce out there, if you're not starting and you're not even getting a ton of snaps, like, and if you're inactive certain weeks, it's gonna happen. So, uh, you know, especially get on a defensive line that that the fan base uh, up until recently didn't perceive to be good. So. Um, Mm-hmm. I think I you know look it's starting to it's starting to click for a lot of different guys, um, and I think that the, the, it, it clicking for them is uh, is is you know the the cascading effect is is really starting to show here, and and, and you're seeing guys like Crawford and uh, Irving and 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 you know some other even down roster guys like Taco, and, and it start to really uh, feed off of that as well, and, and that's nothing but a good thing for the Cowboys. Yeah, Charlton's last three games have been significantly better than any of his first five games. So that's that's an encouraging thing for the second half of the season to see where Taco is at the end of the season. So that's it for today's show. This edition of the Locked On Cowboys podcast was brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Get into all the action with MyBookie where they'll match your deposit with an up to 100% bonus. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk about the Cowboys offense via the All-22 uh, so make sure you guys check in and, uh, on that. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.